Welcome to the VoxGig Podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. This one is a deeply insightful conversation with Salma Alam Naylor. If you were thinking of getting into Twitch, this is the podcast for you. We go deep on all the angles, what to watch for, and how to prepare. I'm personally feeling very encouraged after talking to Salma. We also talk about all the things that have been happening in developer relations this year and where the industry is heading. Okay, let's talk to Salma. Salma, welcome. I am so delighted to have you here today on the Fireside with Box Gig podcast because I get to interrogate you about Twitch, uh, which I've been completely scared of, but now I have to eventually start maybe trying out. Um, you have done really, 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 really well on Twitch. Um, just take us through how you got started and how's it going? Thanks for having me, Richard. Great to be here. Now, this is a journey. I still can't believe that I've been streaming for three years. It feels wow. incredibly longer, but also incredibly shorter because uh, you still never, ever, ever know what you're doing. Streaming is ridiculously complex and difficult and comes with so much investment in the gear that you have to buy. But the reason we do it is for love, for community, and for fun, really. Um, I got into it during the first lockdowns of the pandemic of 2020. Uh, at the time, I was working as a tech lead, and I'd been doing that for quite a few years. And for those of you who have moved up into management in tech, you realize that you write less and less code uh -huh. and uh, you do more and more PowerPoint presentations and spreadsheets and Misery. <laughs> Jira project maps and whatnot. And I felt, you know, my, my skills were stagnating. And in order to keep up with, with what my team were doing, I needed to, to keep on top of the, the new tech and, and keep my skills fresh. Um, so that was in the back of my mind at the beginning of the pandemic. I think that time caused a lot of people to do some soul searching. And through a very weird series of events, I discovered that people were live streaming coding on Twitch. And I thought this was extremely fascinating, very new to me. Had no idea that people have been doing this for years. You know, Twitch is known to be a gaming platform, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um so, you know, I started watching some of these streams. I started getting involved in the chat and in some of the communities. And then I noticed there were two gaps in the market in 2020 in, in what I was seeing on Twitch in the science and technology category. That was what it was back then, science and technology. That was the only category we had. And most of the people who were streaming coding at that time were men and those men were mainly streaming backend development as well. Now, I am not a man, and I am also not a back-end developer. I'm a front-end specialist. And so I thought, hey, why not bring those, fill those two gaps in the Twitch market that I can see right now, and I can learn some stuff in public, I can build some stuff in public, I can see how it goes, and I can keep my skills fresh, and use what I've learned through basically pair programming with all of these viewers, and then take it back to my job. And so I still remember my first stream very, very well. Is it still and live on, on Twitch? Can we, can we no, still no, 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 no. I streamed to a total of three viewers. 
And uh, the most active person in the chat was a 17-year-old from Lithuania who was telling me about his troubles with his parents. I will never forget that. But Mm -hmm. I also thought at the time, hmm, what's going on? Uh, What is this? What have I signed up for? Now, that's quite an interesting thing to remember that Twitch, it's not necessarily about what you do on stream. It's who you are and it's how you communicate. Twitch is based on building human relationships and community, regardless of what you do, because actually I haven't just streamed coding in my streaming career. I've done a live improvisational music stream with my husband. Uh, Just last week, I did a PC build stream with my husband. And I also sometimes stream my cross-stitching. And people still show up. So the point of Twitch Twitch is really about community. So I got started and I kind of felt like I really, really liked this because it was a combination of lots and lots of different skills and experience I've had over the years. So there was the tech thing that was like the hook to bring people in. But then there was, uh, so I'm a qualified teacher as well. I used to teach music in high schools. And so there was like that teaching aspect that I could offer as well. Um, And while I was doing the thing, I could help people learn the thing at the same time. And also I've been a performer my whole life, grew up with music. And in my twenties, I was also a comedian and I was on stage and I was a musician on stage, touring the country of festivals and and things like that. So there's my performance, there's my teaching and there's my tech stuff. And that kind of all came together to make my Twitch stream and, and how it all came to be. And, uh, I guess since since 2020, since I discovered Twitch streaming, kind of it it sounds really weird and cliche, but it kind of changed my life. It made, I mean, maybe because it was um, coupled with the pandemic and how everyone like went online. But I feel like my life is so much fuller of different people from around the world. Like I have this global community spread across the world from Japan to the West coast of America, to India and Australia. And it all comes together in my discord server. Like every Twitch streamer has a discord, right? Mm. I didn't want to make one initially because I thought I don't need that stress and that hassle, but my discord server is also very active. People are learning, people are, are engaging with each other and forming relationships all because I decided to, to go live on Twitch one day, so it's um it's pretty nice, really. And if, if you um, if you'll pardon the pun, it sounds like uh, you had a symphony of skills that you could bring together. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, a cacophony, maybe. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, what what one question I had for you was, uh, you, you have a sort of uh, brand persona. Oh my god, I mean, that sounds like such a terrible marketing term, right? But you, you have like sort of a, a, a username that you use that you've kind of built up. Was that deliberate? Did that, that happen by accident? White, White Panther, by the way, is what it's Yeah. Um, so funny story, wasn't it was not on purpose. Um, so about eight months before I started streaming on Twitch and started um, engaging in the other communities on Twitch, I signed up to Twitch to watch a friend's charity stream. And that was the only time I'd used Twitch before. That was uh, November 2019. And at the time, (laughs) at the time, I was involved with um, 
Extinction Rebellion in Manchester. Fantastic. Uh, the, the tech team of Extinction Rebellion in Manchester. And when that team formed, we're still in touch now, when that team formed, I kind of had my tech lead head on and thought, right, we need a team name. We need code names. We need, you know, we need an identity in order to, um, to, to come together during this yeah. time of activism. And the code names we chose were a color and an animal. Okay. And cool. I chose White Panther. And so White Panther was like my, the, the last username I signed up to on something. So when I signed up to Twitch, I chose White Panther. And I put the stupid four and the three in because there was no, the White Panther without the four and the three had already been taken. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I signed up to Twitch. And then I thought, well, when I started streaming, I, I had none of the Panthers and had none of that kind of identity when I started streaming. And then I employed a designer to, uh, basically just make the most of my stupid joke name. And it all went from there. So it was, it, and it was works an accident. Wonderfully. It's, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> um, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the lead speak name actually works. I, I think it's good. I think it's pretty cool. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's very it's very unfortunate that um, when I'm like building my website and, and building things uh, uh, for screen readers uh, and oh, right. whenever okay. text to speech yeah, yeah, yeah. reads out my name, it's white P4N3R, which is a meme in itself these days. Um, so, you know, if, if I had um, have thought about if I had if I, oh my gosh, if I had thought about that before I started streaming, I probably wouldn't have chosen that. But, you know, there are... Does it, does it matter? Does it matter? I don't end? think it matters. No. And there are plenty of people uh, who succeed no matter what their handle is. And I guess I am an example of that, even though it's a bit of a joke. But yeah, it's something to latch on to, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I, fabulous, fabulous story. And it's amazing the way things happen by serendipity sometimes. Yeah. I have to ask, the one thing that kind of holds me back, and maybe a lot of people, even if they do work in developer relations and it's something they should be doing, from uh, live coding, from streaming is uh, when I code, I'm very quiet and I like to think and I do nothing for five minutes or I'm just bashing away at experiments. Um, a lot of the streamers that I've watched and our, our mutual friend, Matteo Kalina, is great at this. You know, he can, he can keep a kind of dialogue going. Is, is that a separate skill? Is that something you have to practice? Does Do you end up developing it how do you get over that sort of deathly silence issue i i i think it's something that anyone can develop yes and i think it does need practice um i don't remember ever not having that skill because i've always naturally been in front of an audience or in front of a classroom of children where you're doing multiple things at once so it's about maintaining three trains of thought at any one time okay so you're, you're solving the problem with the code in your head um and you're thinking ahead to you know the logic that you need to 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 produce whilst you're talking out loud about it which might be slightly different because you also need to um cater for lots of different types of developers in your audience. You can't just be speaking uh, in code and jargon. You have to, you know, break concepts down in order to make the content accessible for people. So there's that. And you also have to keep up with the chat. And the chat could have like multiple conversations going on at any one point. And I think 
that is a skill that makes people keep watching you. Uh, if there, there are times when I have to say, right, I'm ignoring you. I'm not looking at chat. I need to just solve this problem really quickly in my head without you getting involved. But I think once that that's acceptable, once you've built up that rapport of being able to do all those things at once, I think that is the the key mm. to a successful stream. Now, I, I've I watch uh, Mateo regularly, and I, I've only just looked at a few of yours, but I'm. <laughs> I, I've always been bad at front end, so I, I, I might start learning a little bit. Um, do you use the chat? So what, what I've seen him do is use the chat uh, to help solve problems so that he doesn't have to sit there for five minutes. He sort of goes, uh, how do I do this thing? And then absolutely. it's solved in the chat, right? And that, that keeps yeah. it moving. And that's one of my other favorite things about Twitch streaming is because one of my favorite things about working in tech and working with people and working in a team is that pair programming experience when you're in the zone and when you're both working on the same problem and there's a back and forth and you know when you pair program it's automatically better from the very beginning and when you're Twitch streaming, sometimes you could be pair programming with over a hundred developers, which can get a little bit stressful because you have to filter out some of the, the, the silly suggestions mm. and some of the, the meme yeah. suggestions. But yes, um, you, that, that's another reason why people show up to Twitch streams because they want to learn stuff. They want to get involved with something that you're building. They also want to help practice what they know and you know help teach what they've learned. And uh, there's a difference, though, between solving problems together and what we always call on my stream backseat coding, uh, because some people can just come in and completely derail, uh, try and derail a solution by coming in with their very specific solution to a very specific problem that has nothing to do with what you're trying to solve. Mm. So you have to learn how to filter that out as well. Otherwise, that can derail you completely, which has happened to me many times. So it's it's a balance between uh taking suggestions from chat and and also saying actually let me just figure this out first um but you know most of the people who who come and watch my stream now that they they they're either learning uh tech they're just starting out uh, or they are very seasoned people or they are you know they're in very very different stages of their career so the fact that um, less experienced developers can see this process and the fact that more experienced developers can also help other people in the process, I think is very, very valuable. And, you know, I never would have, before the pandemic, before this whole Twitch streaming, I never would have said, my, my want a piece of advice that would have never come from my mouth is find a community, find a group of people who, uh, who like the same tech stuff or, or, you know, who, who all work in the same place. I used to think that work and other stuff was very, very separate, but we are all online now, aren't we? And I think, um, this is a great way to build relationships. You know, have you ever been on a team uh, at work or wherever where you go through some really bad times, yeah. but that brings you closer together? It's, it's kind of the same thing on Twitch because you go through the journey together. Like, oh, there's another bug. Oh, this isn't working. Why isn't it compiling? Yeah. Why did it not deploy? And you go through the same pain and joy together, which brings you together. Even though like, I don't 
know who these people are a lot of the time. They're not all in my Discord and I don't know all of them by name, but you go through the same things together. And I think that's what brings people together and why people keep coming back. And, and, is, and is that why we were chatting just a little bit before we went, we went on? Is that why you, you were saying you can't really just take your your Twitch recordings and put them onto somewhere like YouTube because you you lose that community context. If that's, ex- that's exactly yeah. the the right word, community context. Uh, you know, people people have been returned. People have been watching me for over three years. So there's in jokes, there's memes, there's context, right? There's a journey that they've been on, and to just go and flip a switch and then start, or it'd be starting all over again if I went somewhere else. Now that's not to say I haven't considered it. But also there's a very different audience on, on these different platforms as well. Um, there was a there was a streaming platform that was new um, a couple of years ago called Glimesh. They are no longer running, um, but Glimesh seemed to offer um, a fairer cut for streamers than Twitch do in terms of revenue. Um, and so quite a few people in my Discord who are also streamers started streaming on Glimesh. But there's also the problem of... You can't just move a whole community and user base from one platform to another. Case in point, like we've been seeing with Twitter or X, mm. right? That the platform's like changing and, and going a little bit weird. But And then there's all these other alternatives, Mastodon and uh, you know Blue Sky and Threads. You can't just move a community like that from one place to another. It's very jarring. It's It's... It, do, it doesn't work. And so I think once you build your community somewhere, it, you you kind of have to just roll with it. Now, there are some things I do do on YouTube, which, uh, you know, I sometimes cut down versions of my streams that, that I can tell a good story with and put them on there. But it's not like YouTube content. It doesn't do very well because it's live content. And there's a very big difference between the live content that you create, the ephemeral content, and then the more structured kind of scripted content that you would normally create for a platform like YouTube. Yeah, so that, that is, yeah. That, I mean, that, that, and it's, it is really good to know because part of what I thought about Twitch was, oh, great. I can, yeah, I can double dip, right? I can get it. I can get a YouTube channel out of it as well, but that's not the case. No, I mean, a lot of people do upload their full streams to YouTube, mainly as an archive, because Twitch only keeps um, streams for 14 days for affiliates and 60 days for partners. And so if you want to have some place online to archive what you've done then and download it later on, then great. But I am a big believer that people are not searching YouTube for three, four hour streams that happened on no. Twitch on a completely no. different platform, you know? Um, so it's about tailoring content for the platform that you're on. I think if you want to be successful, um, I, I dabbled in TikTok for a while, not on TikTok anymore, but again, I was mm. trying to repurpose the content that I created on Twitch and that didn't work either because TikTok content is very specific to in a very specific style. The, the stuff that does well on TikTok is very TikToky. You know, the stuff that does well on Twitter is very Twittery, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's a lot of work to be a content creator or whatever you want to call it across all these different platforms that have different purposes and different styles. Oh, and, and the other thing that kind of scares me about it is this is this is probably more relevant to Twitch. Is you're effectively a community moderator as well, right? You have to deal with the enthusiastic ones and the people who behave badly as well, and all that stuff. I mean, is is that much of an issue? 
Uh, it used to be more of an issue than it is now. Um, I do have a team of moderators as well. In oh, part my of your Discord. community help, right? Okay. Yes, okay. exactly. Yes. So um, a team of moderators in the Discord and on Twitch. Um, but a lot of the time when I am streaming, they are working. So a lot of the time, yes, I do need to moderate my own channel. Now, it's Twitch have put a lot more safety features in place over the last few years since I started streaming um, in terms of us. Uh, detecting suspicious accounts and adding more safety features for if you've got um what people call a hate raid where lots of people come in and and uh say not naughty things um i used to get now i'm not going to mince my words but i used to get sexually harassed a lot mm. uh yeah. on twitch uh because you know that's the kind of thing people like to go and do online when they're anonymous um and also there's the issue of like Oh, look, I've never seen a woman coding before. What's this? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I mean, that that has to be old at this stage, right? It's got to be, right? But, you know, so for the last year or so, I'd say that either my blocked words list or my moderation settings or my community has like settled down enough that I don't really need to deal with that right now anymore. But that is a huge risk actually for new streamers because some of the things that happened to me near the beginning. Uh, made me want to never stream again. Like it was pretty harrowing. Some of the things mm. that were said to me at the time. Um, Amazing that I mean that that uh, is it because Twitch has made more of an effort to deal with that now. I think they have. I mean, there's yeah. always going to be more to do, uh, but there are definitely more features in place for for that kind of safety. Um, but then, you know, the bad actors will find another way around things again eventually, and then Twitch will need to keep up again. But this is a risk on any platform, isn't it? And, and, and uh, you know, the, the representation of women in tech is, is still not uh, equal with uh, men. And, you know, there's even more underrepresented groups as well in, in the industry. Um, so you're automatically going to be a target. So, you know, no offense to you, Richard, but as, as a white man... Uh, streaming on Twitch, I don't think you'll get many problems with that. No, um. no. I mean, it is, and it is, it is very sad. I mean, it's, it's. So you know, we have we have uh, women junior engineers working for us, and you know, we we encourage everybody in the company to build their public profiles. It's, it's great for their careers, and you know, I don't know, write open source, go on Twitter, whatever. Uh, but it is really sad to see, you know, that some of them are held back because of yes. this issue. Um, yes, it's really frustrating, you know, because you have great engineers who could be making super contributions but yeah and you know even now you have to protect yourselves you know and that's it and sometimes protecting yourself is is about not doing a thing and you know when I write my technical content as well I you know I write it and I proofread it and and I test it and, and everything and then then I have to go through it and preempt any of the questions I might get from what we call the reply guys. And I have to, you know, put disclaimers in and I have to make sure I've covered every single base so that after I've published something, um, like there's very little room for that kind of interaction. Like I'm all up for feedback. I'm all up for a discussion and a debate. But, you know, there are people who are online just to uh, pick a fight and to uh, assert yeah, their egos. Yeah. And to have that done to you live is quite jarring. I think sure I did. I think I did just once just stop a stream when something happened because it was so bad. Um, but thankfully, 
things feel like they're getting better in my end of the woods, but maybe also, unfortunately, I'm also a lot more resilient to it, uh, which is a shame to say that I've had to get to that point, but I am more resilient to it because I, I hate to say I'm used to it, but I kind of am. But also it's about putting up preemptive barriers um, to that kind of interaction. So even before Twitch put a lot of safety features in place, I made my own safety features with my own personal Twitch bot. And um, I put some things in place like to, to time out everyone in the chat and to lock everything down. But Twitch now do that. But a lot of streamers were, a lot of coding streamers especially, were building those kind of safety features into their own software for Twitch uh, before that happened. I think maybe that's probably why Twitch did it, to be honest. This, but. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. The communities had to build their own things first. Yes. And I guess, I suppose, you you, you said you, you had been a teacher before and a comedian. Um, so I suppose you had built a little resiliency around dealing yes. with that. A bit yes, and, uh, there's definitely that. You know, behavior management in classrooms is very much like behavior management in uh, Twitch With adults, chat. it's so sad, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> You know, about redirecting the conversation or ignoring certain parts of conversation, uh, you know, focusing on particular things. Um, you know, I made quite a few mistakes in my early teaching career in, in that kind of context. And, you know, you take everything with you in, in a different context and learn how to adapt it to that. So, yeah, it's it's all about how you manage, moderate um, and interact with people. And it's the tone you set for your stream is the tone that people adopt or the tone that attracts the right people. And I've always said that, like, especially with my discord, uh, you know, I've always wanted to be extremely welcoming, extremely inclusive, um, extremely accessible and not gatekeepery. And I don't want to start tech fights or anything like that. So I attract the people, my community attracts the people that are looking for that kind yes, of place. Yeah. And, and you, you say know? that explicitly, right? So it's, Absolutely, it's yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I make sure that that's what everyone who's part of the community upholds as well. Talk to me about the Discord. So that's a separate server that you run. Do you use a service? Do you run your own one? And do you have, run, you have to... Yeah, it's just run my, 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 just run my own Discord server um, that uh, anyone can join via the invite link on my Discord or via my Twitch profile or whatever. And it's just, and, and I've also, um, I've got a stream team as well because I'm a Twitch partner, so I'm allowed to be a, a leader of a team on Twitch. So you can add whoever you want to your team. And so the Discord is also um, to serve the Twitch team. So we've got quite a lot of other tech streamers in that team as well. And so the Discord is integrated with my Twitch bot. So every time someone in the team goes live on Twitch, there is a notification in Discord. So anyone who's online in the Discord at the time can... can uh, go and watch them and, and get that notification if they want, if they've turned off Twitch notifications or, or whatever. So it, it doesn't just serve me and um, the people who watch my stream, but it serves uh, everyone else in the, the team and the wider community that watch those streamers as well. And a lot of those streamers, yes, they do have their own discords and own like communities as well, but it might, I'm trying to like bring as many people together in one place. Like some of the members of the stream team purposefully don't have their own discord and they want to bring people to the claw discord uh, my discord as well just to, to grow that and because sometimes it can be sometimes you can be in so many discord servers yeah and it's very overwhelming and so i didn't really want to start one at the beginning because there were too many discord servers but 
it, it turned out to be a good thing. Um, and it's for the, it's for the community. You know, I, I don't like to say it's mine, uh, because I'm not even like the lead mod on it. I have someone for that. Who's amazing. Uh, I just take part in it. And, um, and and try and bring people together in it. So it, it is but, good to have that offline place to to connect. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, because my, my first question is, okay, that has to be moderated as well. And yes, you have the same issues there. And it yes. takes yes. effort to run it and keep it safe. And yeah, again, kind of team thing. of moderators yeah. and uh, all the moderators on Twitch are moderators on Discord as well. People I trust. Um, I've got a team of about 10, 12 and uh, across different time zones on purpose. Um, but you know, we've got a really nice place going on. There's, there's, I mean, it's relatively small discord wise There's just under 700 members. Um, and not all of them are active all the time, but we've got a really strong core group of maybe about 50 people who are active every day. And we've got this, uh, co-working channel where you can go in, put your camera on and there's no audio, but you can feel like you're in a kind of remote mm. office and that's in use every day. So there's a sense of community around jobs and working and just general tech stuff as well. Amazing. It's uh, yeah, it sounds, sounds wonderful and cozy. It's, it is. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It is. So, okay. So this gives you an opportunity to move into another topic, um, which grinds, <laughs> grinds my gears, as they say, which is uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, companies this year, um, I think undervaluing uh, the power of community and the power of developer relations. I mean, how would, on earth would you put a monetary value on your community? Um, it has it has some sort of existential value because, as you said, it literally you feel like it's changed your life. And I've previously participated in building a community around a company for commercial purposes, and yet that community was critical to the the financial success of that company. Um, and I think part of the reason is we had no clue how to do any sort of measurement, right? We weren't interested in, in funnels or any of that sort of stuff. Um, it just, it's, it just seems like there's perhaps a, uh, point in developer relations right now where people have to come to terms with the idea that it is immeasurable maybe. See the key, the key thing to keep in mind, I think um, that that's very difficult for companies to let go of is that people don't follow and engage with brands; they follow and engage with people and human beings. Right. So, people come to my Twitch stream to watch me. They come to my Discord to be part of something centered around my Twitch stream and that's how it came to be, right? Whether I work for um, uh, this company, that company, or that company, people will still come to watch my Twitch stream. Now, um, so, so company, but companies feel like they need to own something. It needs to be theirs. They want their, their share of voice and they want their, their name out there, right? But you'll look at these companies' YouTube channels, all these company Twitch channels. I, I mean, you know, a lot of tech companies started streaming during the pandemic. And these tech channels, uh, the, these Twitch channels owned by uh, DevRel departments or, or tech companies, they'd be streaming to four people at a time for two hours. Yeah, you do see that. Yeah. 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 It's still going on, isn't it? And, and I don't know why people are doing it, but you come over to some of, you know, some of these, I hate this word, tech influencer streams. They're streaming to hundreds of people, some of them thousands of people. And I think that 
companies need to realize that they need to uh, use people, human beings, and their existing communities in order to see more value more quickly. So instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars creating the most perfect YouTube video and uploading it to your company account, pay someone who has a community, an engaged community, $10,000 to do some work on your product, to make a video, to write a technical talk, to, to write a technical blog, a tutorial, and do a few Twitch streams, right? And the, the you'll automatically look more trusted because people don't listen to companies. And this is, you know, and, and well, there's a loyalty thing with, with individuals as well. For example, when I first started working for Netlify, quite a few people in my Discord were like, oh, I'm moving all of my projects from Vercel to Netlify now. You work for Netlify. And, and you know, it, it's kind of a trust thing. Once someone yeah. trusts someone, they will listen to whatever you have to say, regardless of whatever tech you, you are promoting or talking about or working with. And I think Jason Langstorff says this a lot. Um, he he believes that the 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 new model for DevRel that that's probably emerging is that model where companies don't have DevRel departments anymore, but they are contracting out that type of work to uh, community members with influence and with existing audiences. And I hate to say it, but I, he's probably right um, because you you can reach more people that way through individuals. And maybe you can employ three, four, five very prominent individuals for a particular campaign to, to reach even more people exponentially rather than plugging away on your own brand social media and your own brand YouTube. I mean, you know, YouTube shorts on like a database company, uh, YouTube channel. I mean, no one no one's subscribing to that. <laughs> No, no, no one's clicking no. subscribe on that. It's bloody boring, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's, you've got to bring personality to it. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in tech marketing, because it is marketing, is that developers don't really like to be marketed to by companies, but they will be sold to by individuals. For example, if one of the one of the the funniest examples of this is that um, I have a desk vacuum. It's a tiny little handheld desk vacuum. And I used it on stream once, you know, it wasn't sponsored. Mm. I just had this desk vacuum and like five, 10 people went and bought a desk vacuum after they saw me use my desk vacuum because they didn't know <laughs> they needed it. Right. And it's that kind of thing. Like once you yeah. see, and what one of my friends who I used to work with, um, was raving to me about this keyboard cleaning brush, right? I needed that in my life. I bought it straight away. And the same thing happens with tech, right? I'm not going to be um, inclined to buy the keyboard cleaning brush if I see an ad on Twitter for the keyboard cleaning brush. But if someone tells me, someone I trust and know tells me how good it is, I'm going to buy it and use it and I'm going to love it because it's going to remind me of them. And the same thing applies to tech products, frameworks, databases, hosting platforms or whatever, you can be sold that by someone you trust and know and yeah. love and are engaged with uh, much more effectively than by an anonymous kind of brand behind a logo. Oh, Salma, I think, yeah, I think, I think you, I think you really hit the nail on the head here because if I think about it as a developer myself, I'm not just assessing 
the features of a framework or a SaaS tool or an API. I also want to know that there's a community that I can get answers from that will have my back when my boss is at me for a, you know, a deadline yesterday and the thing doesn't work and I don't know how to fix That's it. it. Um, That's it. And it's not, and I, I think maybe, maybe because a lot of the companies that are doing DevRel are SaaS companies and their mindset is all around funnel marketing and metrics driven marketing and conversions. Uh, that this is just is completely what- alien, right? It's yes, and it's also why I am a big believer that DevRel should not be in right, a marketing right. department. That's a big argument. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, argument. where does it sit? Is it in product? Is it engineering? Is it in marketing? Is it its own thing? And I think that the core at the core of DevRel is that it looks different in in any different company. And it looks different as well, depending on the individuals that are in that team because of the different skills that people bring to this role. But ultimately, you need to be able to work effectively with engineering, with product, and with marketing to do the right job at the right time. Rather than being, you know, if, if you are put under marketing, you are generally put in a box of creating content and marketing materials, whether that be in the form of video or written or short social media posts or whatever. When you're put under engineering, you might be a little bit more confined to just building SDKs um, or example uh, repositories and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And and so you, as DevRel, people who are in DevRel know that, that, that it's an absolute mix that changes every single day. And that's one of the reasons why the, jobs, the job is so appealing. And uh, so exciting because uh, you might be going to speak at a conference one day and, and do a podcast another day and then build a sample app the next day and write a tech tutorial the next day. But ultimately, again, how do you, like you say, how do you show value when you are all over the place? So I guess maybe putting DevRel under one particular department is an effort to align with goals um, that uh, are in that department to, to show that, yes, we are valuable, but actually it, it's it's just such like, it's a weird, it's a unicorn thing, isn't it? Isn't That's it? what people say. Maybe, um, it's like, maybe it's like a hygiene factor and it does need to live by itself because, I mean, I wouldn't buy from a SaaS company or adopt an API if they didn't have a decent website and a GitHub with some sample apps. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe they, maybe it just, and and then if they have a community on top of that, and some uh, community members that are, are that are active have Twitch streams or speak at conferences or whatever, it just gives me enough confidence as a developer that it's a a real thing, and I will get supported. Um, What's also tough though with that is that I've seen some job adverts for DevRel roles saying you must have over 5,000 followers on right. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's almost a meme now itself in terms of, oh my God. And so, you know, sometimes clearly companies are seeing the value of um, having a presence online, but it's not necessarily about your followers on Twitter whatsoever. It's about how you engage with other human beings and how you help people and how you solve problems and how you proactively find issues that other developers might be coming up against. And so, whereas, you know, brands here are seeing the value of, oh yeah, this person's pretty popular. They could sell our tech to quite a lot of people online. 
that's not all of DevRel. You know, that's only one tiny, tiny part. Um, and you can do a very, very good job at DevRel with not being on Twitter at all. And so I think what happens is um, companies, again, because there's not really, some companies don't even have like DevRel team leaders. They'll just have a group of DevRel ICs, individual contributors, underneath a marketing department with a marketing manager who, who are leading yeah, them. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who has never been a developer and as someone who's never been on the receiving end of DevRel or DX, developer experience, then you actually don't know what it looks like yourself because you don't know what you need as a developer, but you need to put that trust in the people you've hired into that role. And I see a lot of that not happening uh, you know, a lot of like DevRel roles being put into a box, like you must do this, you must produce X amount of content, you must, you must um, bring in X amount of signups. And, you know, it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like DevRel, the value of DevRel is in the feeling that you create in response to your tech or your brand or your company. It's like how people, successful DevRel can be measured, maybe, um, on how does your brand make people feel based on yeah. the activities of your DevRel or your external facing teams. It's a bit like um, that quote by Maya Angelou, and I probably will get it wrong, but people won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you make them feel. And I guess that's right. what I try to do in my Twitch streams as well. It doesn't matter what I do in my Twitch stream, but as long as I make people feel welcome and happy and cool and kind, and you know, then people will stick around. And it's the same thing with DevRel and companies. Make people feel good when you're using, when they're using your tech and they will keep using it. Yeah, that is a really hopeful note to end on. Um, this, has been so, this has been so great. Um, tons and tons of notes. <laughs> no, you know, I have my, my, my sort of personal agenda is, you know, I want to know about Twitch, but um, so insightful as well on the DevRel end of things. Um, and so many of these questions are all up in the air at the moment. I would say, uh, again, on another note of hopefulness, I, I've spoken to and interviewed quite a few marketing managers now on this podcast who are willing to learn and understand that that marketing to developers needs to be done differently. So there is hope. There There's is hope. Definitely That's good hope. to know. Yeah. Sama, thank you so much. Um, wonderful stuff. And I will see you on Twitch, I guess. Thanks, Richard. I look forward to seeing you on Twitch as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, you, you've encouraged me to take a, a first few faltering steps, uh, but I, I need to get a... a obviously, we, we, this is already a podcast, but you have a, such an awesome background, I have to say. That's, uh, thank you. <laughs> it's really well laid out. All right. With that inspiration, thank you so much, Salma. Take care. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.